Absolutely. It does say to praise God. It says to praise God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It's a verse from the Bible that is true. Oh 
singing this morning, I just want you to know that you just memorized a verse from the Bible, as I was saying. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. As we sing this next song, it talks about just how Christ was crucified for us and how one day we will rise with him, meet him in the clouds, and he will take us to heaven to be with him for eternity. This is my revelation, Christ Jesus crucified. Salvation through repentance at the cross on which he died. Now hear my absolution, forgiveness for my I sink beneath the waters that Christ was buried in. I will rise, I will rise as Christ.
Good morning. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries. My name is Sean Sriplo, and I'm just so excited that you are here to worship with us this morning. Um, we have a few announcements. But first, would you please grab that friendship folder, that black folder at the end of the aisle? Please grab that, fill that out so that we can have up-to-date information on you and who's here today. That would be much appreciated. Well, we have an action-packed summer along with our regular weekly activities. Um, if you are part of MOPS or know MOPS, that's Mothers of Preschoolers, they have these play dates that are scheduled uh, throughout the summer. Those are on Tuesdays, and the first one is this Tuesday at 10 a.m. That's at the Black and Yellow Park there in South Park. They're going to meet at 10 a.m., so if you're a mother of preschooler, grab your Moppet and uh, go on there. They're going to have a great time. It's going to be real exciting just to, to get to those mothers together and get those kids together. And pretty soon here, you're going to get where our construction guys are going to start building. You're going to see our 30-foot screen out there on the lawn. And uh, we're going to start our movie, our free movie nights here. Uh, that's going to be the last Friday of every month. It's going to be June, July, and August. And so this one is right at the end of the month here. We are watching A Dolphin's Tale, which I have not seen yet. I'm really excited to see. Um, but this is a great opportunity, so uh, make sure you bring your chair and, uh, or a blanket and make sure you bring a friend as well because we want to outreach. This is a free event for the community um, so they can come and watch this movie. And this year we're having middies. They're going to uh, come over. They're going to bring some food over and they're going to have a concession stand. If people want to buy some food, they're going to have some really good food. So also come hungry. And that's uh, a great event for you and your friends and your neighbors as well. Um, and then also, we have Vacation Bible School. Uh, I saw Carice Barner out there earlier. She was signing people up. Uh, please, uh, if you're interested in helping out with Vacation Bible School, please go out there and sign up. They have a lot of different opportunities where you can sign up. I saw, you know, you can help out with crafts, help out with snacks. You can, you know, help out, you know, with, the, you know, with photography. There's all kinds of things that you can do to serve for Vacation Bible School. So please go check out. And uh, we need a lot of, a lot of helpers because we pack this place with kids. And so if you know kids, make sure you tell your kids to plan for that. That's going to be July 27th through July 31st. So uh, put those dates in your calendar. And if you can come be a part of that, that would be much appreciated. Please go check that out. Thank you for your time. Amen. Thank you, Sean. Well, it's so good to see everybody in church today. If you're happy to be here, say amen. Amen. You know... The last few weeks, there's just been so much energy and enthusiasm in our church, even though summer is like officially started, and some of our people are already traveling, doing their thing. It's just so nice to know that uh, no matter who's here on a Sunday morning, uh, there is enthusiasm, there's excitement, and uh, we're interested together in the things of God. What we're doing this summer is lifting our church on a wave of prayer. Uh, I believe that the glue that holds the church together is prayer. And so that's why we encourage you every summer, June, July, and August, to join our prayer team. And inside your courier, we have the list. And this is what we're praying together. We're trying to stay on the same page. We're asking the Lord as we travel to... Help us be a good ambassador for Christ. Because, you know, I, I, I like it when people can get away and have a little vacation and kind of change their environment. But uh, we don't want to take a vacation from God. We want to take a vacation for God. And so that means we think about it. Hey, uh, I'm traveling. Uh, what's God going to do here uh, in, my, in my travels to expand his kingdom? Am I ready for that? So we pray about that. 
And then, Lord, how to protect our quiet time. We're asking you, our congregation, to sign this little piece of paper. It's in your courier today. And it simply says, I'll do my best June, July, and August uh, to pray this list. And these are some important things that we're praying about. And these are our ministries for the summer back here in the back. And some people have already started doing this. We have quite a few people already that have signed up. Uh, we'd like to have quite a few more people sign up. And I think, you know, I heard many years ago that old statement, maybe you've heard it, uh, little prayer, little power, lots of prayer, lots of power. And we not only want to be a church that's noted as a busy church, you know, anybody can have a busy church. Uh, we want to have a church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, where spiritual things happen in people's lives and there's spiritual change taking place. I don't think that can happen unless we... Uh, really bathe everything that we have to do here in our church in prayer. And so if you haven't put that in the offering plate or the offering box, please do that today. Put your name on there and be a part of that team. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll receive our morning offering together. We can't thank you enough for your participation every week uh, to support the ministry of the church. Uh, it's greatly appreciated by us, uh, and I know the Lord appreciates it too because He gives you the strength, uh, the energy uh, to go to work and make a living, and then when you render that back to Him, uh, that's a good thing. That's what God wants us to do. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for the strength You've given us this week to go to work, to make a living for our family, and now we come together, Lord, to make a living for Your spiritual family here on top of the hill. Uh, for our local outreach and our ministry to each other and our missionaries around the world. I pray now that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Let's thank the Lord this morning. You ready? Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Sing it again. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. morning, if you have your Bibles, head over to Acts chapter 9. We're going to pick up there. Thank you, Dan. And uh, we're just going to continue in our AD series this morning. I hope that you've been watching that on TV. It's been fun to, to, uh, to just see some of these portions of Scripture included on a TV series. But uh, last week, Pastor Al took us up through the conversion of Saul. And as I was thinking about Saul's conversion, all I could think of is one word repurposed. He had a new purpose. He was repurposed. His life had a whole new direction. Uh, the energy that he once had is now redirected towards God. He had energy against God. Now it's redirected towards God. And, uh, you know, today we have a, we understand a lot about repurposing. We re repurpose everything, don't we? Um, you know, it, it, you have to sort out your trash. You have to have a bin for the glass, for the tin, and for the paper. And then you have the regular trash. So we we like to recycle. We like to repurpose all that stuff. Uh, remember when we were kids, um, I was the newspaper boy. So I used to sell the newspaper to everybody. I went around and delivered the paper. I'd sold it to them. Then I said on Saturday morning, would you please bundle up the papers that you're done with and I'll, I'll come and take them off your hands. And so my dad had a pickup truck and my brothers, uh, my, me and my brother, we went out, the two of us, we went around and we picked up everybody's paper that we sold to them earlier in the week. And uh, they'd bundle them up, throw them in the back, would take it down to the recycle center in Pittsburgh, and they'd give us 30 or 50 bucks for a whole truckload of paper. And we were just so happy because as a paper boy, that was a whole week's salary, all right? And we made it on Saturday. And so we'd go out there, and we, we made all that money, and, uh, but that paper became repurposed. It became cardboard boxes. It became bags. It became all kind of things. And that's exactly what God does with our life. He takes our life, and it looks empty. It looks like, wow. Uh, what, what have we done with this life? And God gives it a new purpose. He puts a new direction to it. And that's the first thought in your notes here this morning is that God gives a new purpose to our lives. 
God gives a new purpose to our lives. We're going to start out there in um, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and entered the house laying his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 18, And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and he was baptized. The very first thing that Paul does as a new believer is he goes and gets baptized. Uh, baptized is the first step for a new believer. And here he, was, he got water baptized. He, and it says that immediately he was baptized. The moment that you accept Christ Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. You are placed into Jesus. And then water baptism it does not get you to heaven. Water baptism is an outward sign of that inward decision, of your faith in Jesus Christ. Water baptism is how we identify with the local church. And so when you get baptized, you are identifying not only with Jesus, yes, his, that he was buried uh, and that he came back to life. And we take you into, the, into our baptism waters in the, in the tank. We, we place your head under the water, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And so you're identifying with him and what he has done, but you're also identifying with the, with the local body of believers. Here we are as a gathering of believers, and we're saying together that, yes, I am a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That was the practice of the early church, and we still continue to practice that today. To be a member of our church, we ask that you get baptized, that, we, that you publicly uh, profess your faith in Jesus Christ, and we take you in, in here in the church, we tell your story, let you tell your story, and take your head under and bring you back up, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. So we see that Saul here was making an identification with a new community. Uh, that's the first point under number one there, is a new community and fellowship. He had a new community and fellowship. But once he was against this community, he was attacking the church. Now he's coming and saying, I'm no longer against the church. I'm one of you. He had three days of isolation, and then Ananias comes, and, uh, and, and his, his blindness is gone, and he immediately gets baptized, and he identifies with the church, and he has a new fellowship. Now look at verse 19. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And when he had received some food, they cared for him. They brought him food. They ministered to him. And then it says, very interesting, that Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. They're caring for him. There's time spent together. If we're going to have community, you don't have community by just, okay, I saw you for five minutes and we're gone. I came in and heard a Sunday message and I'm out of here. Community spends time together. And that's what Saul did. Saul began to spend time with the, with the other believers. And they no doubt nurtured him. They no doubt cared for him. But this was his new community and in that community, he found a lot of strength. He found a lot of fellowship. I heard of one church, they call their midweek a new community. And I think that's a great name because it's a new community. When you, before you come to Christ, you have your life and you have, have a community that you're connected to somewhere. And then when you come to Christ, you want to connect with the community of believers. 
So now you're connected to him and to his fellowship, to his people. And we want to encourage that in our church. We want to encourage you to get in community with other believers. We want to encourage you to, to take it beyond Sunday morning uh, coming in for an hour in church to, to, man, I've spent some time with other believers throughout the week. Whether it was uh, in a small group that may meet in your home, maybe a small group that meets here on Wednesday night. We have a small group for our men, a small group for women. And as those groups grow, we'll make other small groups because we want to get a place where you can grow. And we think that growth really happens very well in circles, not in rows. You know, when, when you see the, the rows here, all you're seeing is somebody else's head. When you get in a circle and you can actually discuss and say, well, what does this mean? And, boy, I'm struggling with this. I need you to pray for me. You see who I am, and I see who others are. Um, last night I was here at the Saturday night service, and I was encouraged whenever I saw one of our young guys here worshiping the Lord. I mean, this young man was here, and I saw his body movement and how he was connecting to God. We only sing one song on Saturday night, and he was, he was engaged in that song. And I was lifted up. My spirit was lifted up because I saw and was encouraged by another believer. And that's the community of believers, and that, that's what Saul had. He had a new community, a new fellowship. Uh, David Jeremiah states that Christianity cannot be lived in isolation. It is a religion of fellowship. We need fellowship with God and we need fellowship with each other. God never intended for you to be an island. He never intended for you to come to Christ and then I live my private Christian life and, and I don't interact with anybody. I, we're supposed to be interacting with the other believers. We need the encouragement of the community of Christ. Paul referred to the church as the body of Christ. And it is connected to each other by the ligaments of fellowship Sustained by the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. As if we are one body as God has called us to be. And as we develop this fellowship, fellowship is so much more than I had a cup of coffee at church. It is, again, down to that point where we are able to nurture one another. To support one another. To assist. To comfort. Uh, to love our fellow believers. That's what God's called us to do. That's what happened for Saul. Saul had this new community as they brought him in, as he made that, that public statement of baptism. And I want to encourage you, maybe you haven't been baptized yet. That is so important. That is the next step of growth. Christ comes into your life. You've accepted him. And then the next step is what we call believer's baptism. Everything I see in the New Testament, they didn't wait. They didn't wait till it was, the time was just right. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, if you wait till the time is right, don't, there's never a right time. Uh, they decided we're going to follow Christ and they went, the next step was baptism. And I want to encourage you, if you've not yet been baptized, let's just, we're going to be lining these up and we're going to be starting to baptize people as often as God would allow this. We want to continue to show how people are being connected to our local assembly here and connected to Christ. But don't delay Make that a, a matter of importance. It's so crucial to your growth, and it is part of, part of our membership here at the church. A new message in verse 20. You'll see that not only did Saul have a, a new community, a new fellowship, but God gave him a new message. Uh, immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who were called on this name in Jerusalem? And he has come here for, the, for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. 
But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this, is, that this Jesus is the Christ. Immediately he began to preach. He comes to Christ. Three days of isolation in, uh, while he was blind. Ananias comes. The, the, the scales are gone. He's able to see. He spends some time with the disciples. And right away he gets to work. His message at one time. His message just a few weeks earlier is, Jesus is not the Messiah. Is do not follow this. This is heresy. And now his message is, this is the right way. Jesus is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. He is the only way. He is the Son of God. And look how the people respond. Isn't this the guy? And so it's like confusing. He went right to the synagogue. The synagogue was where all the people who didn't receive Christ were. All the people who didn't accept him as the Messiah, they were coming for the regular rituals, regular routines. And he went right to the synagogue to preach. And those people were taken back. Wait a minute, is this not the guy? Is this not the guy that was just a few weeks ago? And look at what verse 22 says, that in the midst of all that, he increased in strength and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving proving that Jesus is the Christ. Paul ended up becoming a great apologist. He, he, he was a, a great, great way to communicate that Jesus is the Christ. He had new challenges. Look at the new challenges that he had. Verse 23, And after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall, in a large basket. His challenge was to preach this new faith in Christ and to be accepted, for his message to be accepted. He had such a reputation that preceded him uh, that he had a hard time at first with uh, being accepted by the, by the believers. The believers were like, whoa, this is the guy that was killing us. Verse 26, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples but they were afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, Luke here, in, in the book of Acts, Luke has written for us, and he's given us these events, but what he didn't give us is the timeline. There, there's actually a three-year period in there. And if you go over to Galatians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, this is what Paul himself says. Paul says, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then, three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. So here's what happened. He comes to Christ, and he has this three-year time out in Arabia. And so he's three years away from these people, and he comes back, and he's now headed to Jerusalem, and still in Jerusalem, verse 26 says that after those three years, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were still afraid of him. What a reputation. He was persecuting. He was pushing against the church. And even after three years, so he comes back three years after his conversion. No doubt the, the, the church had heard about Saul. But he comes back on the scene and they are still afraid of him. There's still something I just can't, I just can't accept about Saul. Is he really real? And rightfully so. In the AD series that we've been watching on TV... Um, they show a little clip here, and we're going to play this clip in just a second. But I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to give you the preference that what you're about to see is not in the Bible. 
So don't look for this conversation. It's what they call the creative liberties. And what they have is a, a discussion between Saul and Peter. And it shows, and the reason I'm showing it to you this morning is because it shows their fear. It shows how he really had a hard time being accepted. Sometimes we read through that verse and just kind of skim right through there and get to, yeah, but this is what he ended up doing. This was three years later. They're still afraid of him. And like I always tell people, when you watch a movie, the book is always better. Okay, so I want you to know that about I.D. It's a movie, but the book is always better. I want to encourage you, go home and read the book. All right? Because this is the truth. This is God's word. But I want you to see just a little bit so you can catch a little bit of the feeling of what these people were experiencing as Saul came in and said, Hey, I was once against you. Now I want to join you. You know, when I was coming here, I was so excited. Barnabas had told me so much about you. And yes, I know what we were to each other before. But I thought, I generally thought that when I saw you, you more than anyone, I thought it would be incredible. But you just sit there and judge me. Why do you think he chose you? Because nobody could have stopped me from getting to you except him. Now we can go out. Because of you, we've been hiding! Will you never let this go? Do none of you practice what you preach? It's not that easy! Isn't it? You all bicker and prattle like children when inside each of you is the greatest gift. And you have to share that with mankind. You have to. And I have to too. You went after my daughter! Yes, I did. All I've ever done is hurt you, Peter. Jesus should have struck me down, but he didn't. He forgave me. And I must beg you for your forgiveness, too. Has he never had to forgive you for anything, Peter? You know, when Ananias came to my house, he told me that Jesus had sent him. He told Ananias that I will suffer. That I will suffer for his name. Oh, I will never forgive myself for what I did to you, but I am scared. I am so scared that the pain I feel right now is nothing compared to what will come. It would be easier to run, but I can't. Now. don't know exactly what Peter and Saul talked about, but we do know it says that they spent 15 days together, and we know that it says that the, that the early church was still afraid of Saul. So you could imagine, imagine that in your life, somebody that was once your enemy, somebody that persecuted you, all of a sudden they want to be your friend. It's like, can we work together? That was my favorite part when Peter turns around and says, yeah, can we work together? You have been chasing my family. You have been chasing us. We're all in hiding, and now you want to be on my team. The, the, the new church 
was, uh, was growing in Christ, and they were, they were trying to be the church. They were trying to care for, the, for Saul, but they had to deal with the fact that he had a past, and he was coming now and making a major change in his life. Uh, the verse from 1 John um, 4.20 says this, If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? I want you to think about that because that's exactly what the early church had to experience. They had to, they had to go through this. That here was Saul. And they had to learn how to love him despite the fact that he had been persecuting them. And his message was one day uh, to hate the church and the next day he's loving the church. And even three years later, he still had to deal with that. And so in our lives today, I think we need to continue on that to not just say that we love God, but to love people. Because when we love God, it comes out in how we love people. And that changes, that transforms everything about the church. That will transform our church and and the way that we treat each other, the way that we care for each other, the way we address each other, respect one another. Verse 27, God gives him a new encourager. Uh, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas was a key person here because the church wasn't the church at Jerusalem. Why did they have a harder time accepting him in Jerusalem than at Damascus? Because in Jerusalem they saw a lot more firsthand. They had friends that were in jail. They had people that lost their freedom because of this man Saul. And Saul pushed and pushed and pushed. And now he comes back and they still have this brutal memory. But yet they learn to love him. Because of an encourager named Barnabas. Barnabas' name means encourager. And he came alongside of Saul and he listened to his testimony. Listened to his story. And he brings him into the community of faith and says, Listen, this guy is okay. He is now on our team. I want you to think about our church. There, we have many people that are coming to Christ all the time. And our job is to come alongside of them. To be the encourager, to be the Barnabas, to help disciple them and bring them to this walk of Christ. And, and, and at times it's messy, at times it's, it's hard, but we have got to go out and we've got to say, look, I care and I'm going to bring you in. And that's what happened for Saul. Barnabas was an encourager. Where would Saul have been? Where would he have been? As we know, Saul in chapter 13, his now, name now becomes Paul. In chapter 13, uh, remember the languages, they had multiple languages. His dad was a Roman citizen, so Saul's Latin name was Paul. And then by chapter 13, we now see that he has a new mission. God chose him to be his missionary to the Gentiles, to all the non-Jews. The, the gospel came first. It was a group of Jewish people. They were there for that festival. Those were the first people that got the gospel. And then after that, the message spread. So he chooses a man, even with a Latin name, and he sends them out, and Paul is now this missionary to, to all the non-Jewish people. So he was with them, verse 28, so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea, 
and sent him out to Tarsus. So the, the church says, hey, let's send him back to his hometown, out back to Tarsus, and, and give him some time here. Verse 31, then the churches throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. The next thought I'd like to share with you this morning is that changed people change people. Changed people change people. Would you say that with me? Changed people change people. In other words, God has come and he's changed your life. You are a a new creature in Christ. He has made a difference in your life. But he has called us to be a part of his work of changing others. And, and, you know, it would have been so easy if, if Saul wouldn't have been persecuting the church. It would have been so easy for the church just to really have enjoyed Jerusalem. Because as we look in earlier chapters, as they were coming to Christ, they were kind of hanging around Jerusalem. And it would have been easy just to come and enjoy the fact that we have been changed. It's so wonderful. I have this new change. And, and, and we're only going to be hanging out here with, with being changed. And, but that was only part of the story. They were to go out and help change other people. And so as we think of uh, people that have been changed, God has changed our life. The, the Apostle Paul is one prime example. He was a changed person who changed people. He went out and God had a mission for him and he went out and he made a difference and changed people. Um, a, a modern story in the late 1800s, uh, this man named Mel Trotter, he was the son of a bartender. And this man, uh, the bartender, drank more than he served. And yet his son ended up following in the ways of his father. He went through a number of trials in his life and ended up uh, just in total despair. Ended up walking into a Chicago mission, a rescue mission in, in Chicago. And he heard the director stand up and give his testimony how the God changed his life. And he was out trying to make a difference. And Mel Trotter came to Christ that day. And through a, through a series of discipleship and how they rehabilitated him and got his life back, he was called up to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he went up to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he started a number of missions. And today, the, the Mel Trotter Ministries still continues from the late 1800s till today. And I, I pulled this off their website here. This is Mel Trotter Ministries. They have a network of missions. And look what it says here. It says, Thus far in 2015... We are blessed to provide 33,317 bed nights for men, women, and children. 79 families have found uh, permanent housing. And 51 individuals have secured employment. They are making a difference. And so one man, his life was changed. He went out and he began to change other people. Changed people change people. Uh, yes, we're supposed to come. We have our community. We have this, this group here, but we are supposed to also be out changing people. And as God has changed your life, He's given you the mission. He's given me the mission to go out and make an impact and let Him change other lives through our changed life. Peter was changed by God as well. As you look through, through the narrative there in chapter 9, it now moves from Saul back to Peter. And in just a few chapters, you won't hear much more about Peter. It's going to go all the Apostle Paul. The rest of Acts from about 13, chapter 13 on, we see a lot of history of Paul. And, uh, but here, Peter, he was a changed man. Uh, when, when Jesus was with him, he said, you know, he told Jesus, I will never deny you. And what's he do? He goes out and denies him three times. 
Uh, Peter was up, he was down. He was up, he was down. But God used him to change people's lives. Uh, if you go and read in Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 35, you'll see that he comes upon a man named Aeneas. And uh, when he's with Aeneas, he, he's able to heal him. He was a paralytic. He was, uh, and he comes and he heals him. And, but what he did there, verse 35 says, So all who dwelt at, Lydia, at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. People were being changed. Their lives were being changed. God used the changed man to change other people's lives. Then it was Tabitha. If you move on to Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 42, you'll see uh, at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And, uh, and, and she is another example of a changed life. Uh, it says this, This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. So we see that she's a disciple, and she did many things to help people. Many people believe that she was a widow, and that, she, that her husband had left her with nice resources that she could help other people. And so she was a seamstress. And uh, through her ministry of, uh, of making clothing items, she helped care for the poor, do many things. And, uh, and God used her in a mighty way. And I want to encourage you today that in the little things of life, you may say making a meal, guess what? That is a huge way to impact somebody's life. You care about somebody. You go over and you say, wow, this is... This is a meal, and you, you give it to your neighbor. Um, every time we're having a little cookout, I tell my wife, throw, throw a plate together. Let's give it to our neighbors. Why? Because that's the common hospitality. I can impact the life in such a small way. You want to cut your neighbor's grass. You know, it's not something you want to do. It's something God tells you to do. And you go, and you cut that grass, and watch what God does. And, and, and the little things... They, you may think they're insignificant, but they're not. With God, they're gigantic. And so I want to encourage you this morning, uh, as Tabitha, as Dorcas did, and if you read the narrative there, it goes from chapter, uh, verse 36 down through 42. Peter comes, and actually she had died. Dorcas passes away, and they call Peter, and Peter comes, and he says, in the name of Jesus, I tell you to rise. Jesus has healed you. And then he, uh, in verse 42, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. People were coming to Christ. God has made a major difference in people's lives. And when he makes a major difference in your life, he's given us now the next responsibility to go out and make a difference in somebody else's life. If you look at the last, last verse, it says that Peter spent time with the tanner. The tanner was a guy of, of low respect. Nobody respected the tanner. And according to Jewish society, Jewish law, this was the guy that, that, that was dealing with unclean, uncleanliness all the time. He had the, the dead animal hides, and he would deal with that all the time. So he was an outcast of society. And Peter spends several days with him. He's not afraid of his reputation. He goes out, and he's a changed person who changes people. Let's just bow in prayer today. Our Father and our God, I come before you and I just ask this morning, Lord, that you would allow us to be changed people, that will go out and change people for your kingdom, Lord. God, I thank you for your sovereignty. I thank you for your mighty hand at work in our lives. And I ask now, Lord, that as, uh, as we just look and glean from this, thank you for the new community, the new fellowship the, the, the strength of the body of Christ, but yet the mission at the same time to go out and, and change a world, a town, a country, a world for Christ. Lord, I pray that you'll 
continue to be with us. Be with your people, Lord, as they respond to you, to your word. In your name we pray. Amen.